Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 150 of the Box Hard Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Joey Coastman. I'm joined by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, episode 150, we will have two guests on the show, two former world title challengers. Um, Just before we get into all that, though, let's start with the review part of the show. Let's start at a place called the Emirates Arena in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, We were supposed to see David Oliver Joyce take on Ronnie Clark. That was supposed to top the bill, but that fight ended up falling through. Um, In the end, you know, David Oliver Joyce still fought. He took on a guy at late you know, a late notice called Arturo Lopez, who had a record of five and four with three draws. David Oliver Joyce continues a perfect record, eight and oh, with a TKO in the sixth round there. Um, also, David Brophy picked up win number 20. He's got two losses and one draw. It was a TKO in round five against Norbert Cesares, who now has a record of 18 and 68 with three draws. Um, Willie Hutchinson moved to 5-0, and a TKO in round three against Taha Mirhusini, who now has a record of 0-2. and um, Also, we had Stephen Orman pick up win number 26. He was down in the eighth round, and he also had his man George Ashey down in the ninth. So, quite a... Uh, Interesting few last rounds there. Stephen Orman picked up the win though on points over ten. He's now twenty six and five. George Ashey now twenty eight and five with one draw. Um, also, we had Dara Foley. He topped the bill against Chris Jenkins, nineteen and three with one draw. Dara Foley's actually a guy that was born in Kent in the UK. But he has Irish citizenship and he lives in Australia. So that is why he was actually the WBA Oceana super lightweight champion. He brought the belt over to Scotland and took on Chris Jenkins. Um, The reason why Chris Jenkins is eligible to win this title is beyond me. But anyway, Jenkins was cut by the right eye in the second round. It was due to a head clash. And at the end of the third round, the ringside doctor actually decided that the injury was too severe and he called a halt to the bout there so a third round technical draw Chris Jenkins 19 and 3 with two draws now and Dara Foley 15 and 2 with one draw he remains the belt holder moving over now to the Minneapolis Armory in Minnesota USA one or two fights or three fights actually or four fights to mention over here top of the bill Willie Monroe Jr 22 and 3 now 23 and 3 a unanimous decision over Javier Maciel who now has a record of 33 and 7 I didn't see this fight but I was hoping that Vanez Martirosian, the former opponent of Triple G, would be in there against Willie Monroe Jr., but that fight didn't happen in the end. Um, Also on the undercard, Jamal James, he picked up win number 24. He's got one loss. It was a KO in the very second round. 
um, against Mahonri Montez, who's now 35-8 and eight with one draw. Caleb Truax, a friend of the show. Everybody likes Caleb. He picked up win number 30. He told me that he'd be a little bit disappointed if he didn't get the knockout. No need to be disappointed. He got the knockout in the third round. A TKO against Fabiano Penna, who's now 15-11 and 11 with one draw. Caleb Truax, 30-4 and four with two draws. Antonio Russell also fought on the bill. That's the brother of um, Gary Russell Jr. He picked up win number 12, a KO in the first round against Nick Otieno. That's actually a good win there. Nick Otieno now 31-15. and 15. And the crazy actual fight that happened here... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this before, Ayaz, but a man called Effie Ajagba, 5-0, I believe, with four knockouts, a um, an African Olympian um, undefeated heavyweight. He jumped in the ring against Curtis Harper, who once upon a time gave a very hard fight to Chris Ariola, And basically, Curtis Harper... Um, got disqualified in the first round, Diaz, and not even a single punch was thrown. And that's a win there for Effie Jagba. So he's 6-0. and um, He's 6-0 and undefeated. And this fight was unbelievable because he didn't even throw a punch. As soon as the bell went for the first round, Curtis Harper got out of the ring and left the venue. He decided that he wasn't happy with the money that he was being paid for that fight, and he decided to just take off. Have you seen the clip, I as It's done the rounds on social media. Unbelievably shocking. No, unfortunately not. I didn't see the rounds. Wow. Well, honestly, as soon as the first bell went, he just climbed out of the ring and walked out. The commentators were shocked. His training team were shocked. You know, it was on live TV in the States. So, I mean, he, he made a bit of a statement, I guess, talking about fighters should get paid more. But very, very disrespectful. And to do it on live TV was quite something. Very, very shocking. Nobody knew about this apart from himself. Unbelievable. Moving over now, though, to the Grand Hotel in Kinshasa in the um, the Democratic Republic of Congo. We had Ilunga Makabu, former opponent of Tony Bellew. He got a win here against Taylor Mabika, who was 19-2 and two with one draw. He made Mabika retire on his stool after four rounds. Um, Makabu also defended successfully the WBC International Cruiserweight title. Moving over now to Russia, actually, a, a very interesting thing here. There was a fight over in Russia in the Usadba Familia in a place called Plastunovskaya. We had a guy in the ring called Rostislav Plechko, who has a record now of 13-0, and 0, all 13 by knockout. He knocked out a guy here called Irinu Costa Jr., who now has a record of 19-8. and 8. Now, this guy, Costa Jr., you know, his name rung a bell, and the reason is because he got in there with Dillian White back in 2015. He got knocked out in a round. He's been in there with a few decent guys, Dennis Boitsov. He got knocked out by David Price in six rounds back in 2015. He got knocked out by Joseph Parker in four rounds back in 2014. He went the distance with Christian Hammer. So yeah, he gets you know he gets beat at the higher level. And he took on a guy here, like I say, Rostislav Plechko, who's now 13 and 0, a Russian fighter with 13 knockouts. And the interesting thing about about Plechko is he was actually born um, in in St. Petersburg, Russia, and he was born with a severe pelvis joint trauma, um, which which actually they discovered at birth. And what that means is the the pelvis is joint and, you know, it's very difficult for a child to learn to walk if they can ever um, walk. You know, it's, they, they pretty much need um, need a urgent operation straight away. And the doctors told his parents, 
you know, we need to treat this right now. We need to do an urgent surgery right now. And his parents said, no, he's just been born. We don't want him undergoing any kind of surgery. So they took him out of the hospital against doctor's orders and just kept him at home. And he ended up walking at the age of six years old. And, you know, he was completely fine by six. Obviously, it's a very very long time to start walking but he's never looked back he's now 13 and 0 with 13 knockouts a, a very promising heavyweight prospect there so all the very best to Rostislav Plechko no other podcast gives you lessons like we do moving over now though to the Gila Arena in Glendale Arizona USA the final bill to mention I believe in fact no there's one other one you may know what that one is but yeah this one here um not a not a great undercard, really. We will mention Arnold Barboza Jr. He moved to nineteen and zero. His opponent retired on his store after five rounds. Called Luis Solis. He's now twenty four and nine with four draws. Um, he was actually a medical. Uh, the doctor that that, that stopped the bout. Um, he was unable to continue after the fifth round due to a closed eye. Solis. So I take back the fact that he retired on his store. Um, the undercard, though, we we have Isaac Dogbay. He moved to 20-0. and 0. He successfully defended his WBO World Super Bantamweight title against Hidenori Otaki, who now has a record of 31-3 and three with three draws. Otaki was down in that first round. It was the first defense for Dogbay. Um, you know, the fight itself here... Not too much to discuss, obviously, a first a first round knockout. I mean, the first knockdown came from a left hook right through the guard of Ataki. Dog Bay disguised it very well. I didn't even notice the disguise until I saw it in slow motion. His eyes were looking down. His left hand started low. Um, it looked like he was going to probably rip in a body shot, but his hand came up and landed a left hook right, right on the button and um, right through the guard. And, you know, it was another case of a young man in his prime against a guy who had had his day, to be honest. A very aged Otaki. And the second knockdown was a right hand in which Otaki actually touched down with his gloves. Um, wasn't really a proper knockdown, do you know what I mean? But, he, you know, his, his gloves touched the canvas, so he got a count. And then after the referee let the bout continue, you know, Dog Bay completely just let the shots rain in on Otaki. And Otaki's head was just bouncing all over the place. And the referee jumped in and waved it off, and rightly so. Uh, the referee was a little bit hesitant a few times before that to jump in he looked like he wanted to but he didn't and then when he did there was no real argument with that to be honest an absolute blowout there a first defense for dog bay and it was all over in the first round great post-fight interview i felt that he came across really well very fiery good personality he's got very likable and exciting character isaac dog bay a friend of the show hopefully we'll be getting him on the show next week and he's also the first man to stop Ataki. So, first defense, first round knockout, first man to stop him. The little hat trick there of firsts. Moving over now to the main event, though. Raimundo Beltran put his WBO World Lightweight title on the line against former world champion Jose Pedraza. It was also Raimundo Beltran's first defense. He's a friend of the show. He got in there um, and he fought his heart out, really. I mean, we've we, we, we've come to expect that every single time we see him in a ring now. Very, very much a fighter that wears his heart on his sleeve. Beltran was down in round 11. Let's talk about the fight, though. Um, Raimundo was cut on his eye early in the fight. It was always going to be a fighter-versus-boxer kind of affair. I felt that Pedraza was the boxer. Beltran was, of course, the fighter. The first three or four rounds, I felt, were quite close. I think that most people gave those rounds to Pedraza, though. 
Um, I felt that Pedraza was was doing a lot of moving. He wasn't really throwing enough in the fifth round. Um, Beltran was certainly forcing the action at that point. In the sixth round, it was starting to get a little bit messy, a lot of holding, a lot of wrestling, really kind of unsure of who was getting the better of the action. In the seventh round, the crowd were making noise for Beltran, but honestly, not too much was landing clean. Most of his attacks were being blocked. And it was, once again, another scrappy round. But Pedraza definitely, definitely was fighting with the wrong tactics at that point. He was trying to, you know, kind of like trade with Beltran and fight too close up for for his style, really. Um, In the eighth round, it was another scrappy round, but Beltran won that round quite clearly. Um... Pedraza was only really throwing singular shots and then in the ninth round Pedraza was actually starting to get through with some nice shots at that point in the championship rounds it felt as if the fight was up for grabs really I didn't quite know what it was about Pedraza maybe the inactivity or something but you know he seems to fight in bursts but um, bursts of beauty at the same time he he really can be quality but it just wasn't consistent um, at that point but Pedraza's performance a few years back against Stephen Smith was was a very exceptional fight that was when to me he really announced himself as a brilliant fighter now Dan Raphael had it level going into the final two rounds in that 11th round though Raimundo was starting to you know look really tired and then he ducked right into a left uppercut he got back up but he looked pretty exhausted and to his credit it, you know, he laid on the ropes and he did a good job of dodging Pedraza's reckless and desperate onslaught. But, um, you know, Beltran did did really well to get through that round. Um, it was a big 10-8 round. And in the 12th round, I actually felt that Beltran was winning the round. I mean, he responded well. He came and put the pressure on because, you know, he probably felt he needed to win that round. But then in the last 20 seconds or so, Pedraza just somehow found another gear. And he really, really piled it on Beltran. He landed so many shots flush. And to be honest, it was looking like the referee was going to jump in. It seriously seemed like he was on the verge of jumping in the referee. And um, as it was the final round, and there was only a few seconds to go, thankfully, Tony Weeks didn't jump in, and the final bell rang. Um, So, yeah, I'm happy for for, for Beltran to get through that fight. But it does have to be said that... um, you know, he got beat, and it was quite clear in the end, Pedraza just had a little bit more in the tank, even though he fought, you know, he fought with the wrong tactics at parts of that fight, it was very much a fight of of a couple of halves, really, maybe a fight of three different parts, you know, it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of momentum, you know, momentum shifts and stuff like that, but I wish that we did the prediction league, because I actually picked Pedraza to win on points, and I picked Dog Bay by knockout, so... You know, I would have gained two points there, but it is what it is. Very, very, very unlucky when it comes to the prediction league. I am. Um, but yeah, I feel very bad for Beltran. Like I say, a friend of the show, a man that is 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 really fighting for his citizenship above all else. And um, I'm not quite sure what happens here because, like I say, he uh, he loses his world title in his very first defence. So commiserations for him. A very classy individual. He showed that in the post-fight interview as well. He was absolutely gutted, but a very A very good show of sportsmanship, as you'd expect from him. And now the final bill to mention, it was just one fight that happened yesterday, Wednesday the 29th of August 2018, in the Nakhon Sawan in Thailand. We had Chaofon Moonsri, the WBC World Minimum Weight Champion. He took on Pedro Tajuran, whose record was 12-1. And I tell you what, Moonsri, if he wins this fight, he moves to 51-0. He eclipses Mayweather's record. Did he do it? Yes, he did. 
unanimous decision over 12 rounds. Cheyafon Moonsri, also known as a few different names. We love him on this podcast. He's outdone Mr. Floyd Money Mayweather. Forget about TBE. It's all about Cheyafon Moonsri. Brilliant win for him. I didn't see the fight, I've got to be honest. I think it was a bit of a strange time. Um... I think it was morning over here, but it was the evening, if I'm not mistaken, over in Thailand. So a brilliant, brilliant win there for Chea for Moon Tree. 51-0, and he needs to retire. Please just retire and keep that record intact, that record of unbeaten, unblemished perfection, really. So uh, keep it going, Mr. Chea, for, or don't keep it going. Just just retire now. You've done enough, Mr. Moon Tree. Big fans of you on this show we are. But that really wraps up the reviewing. Just before we wrap up part one, let's bring in our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former Commonwealth, British and WBO European champion, Mr. Liam Williams. Liam, welcome to the show. Thanks for getting me on, mate. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure, just like it has been the last couple of times that you've been on, Liam. Um, so we last spoke just over a year ago, I believe. It was in the build-up to the second um, the second Liam Smith fight. That fight obviously ended with um, a majority decision in favour of Smith. How would you compare those two fights that you had, Liam? Obviously, one was stopped, you know, stopped on a cut and the other one went the distance. But how would you compare your performances in both fights and also Liam Smith's performances in the both fights? Do you know what? It's a difficult question, actually. I've never really, you know, looked into it too much, but um, the first fight, of, uh, I've never boxed at that level before. Um, so I was very, you know, I was confident in my ability, but unsure, if you know what I'm saying, because, I, you know, I had, to, I had to prove to myself I could actually, I've done it in sparring, you know, many of times, but in a fight, I had to prove to myself that, but they had that in me to, to compete at that level. So, but anyway, I, I went in the first fight with, you know, I was obviously full of nerves um, for for that reason, and I just, I just went off to a flying start, um, and you know, without being disrespectful, I, I boxed uh, boxed Liam Smith's head off, and yeah, so that was the first fight. It ended the way it did, you know, it was disappointing, but. Second fight, uh, I went in. I just didn't really have as much respect for him, um, which you know ain't really the way to go about things. It's slightly unprofessional, you know. I'll, I'll admit that um, openly, but I just I was slightly undermotivated. Um, obviously, you know there was a couple of things going on with um, previous trainer Gary. Uh, Nothing going on with us personal, but I just started to lack a little bit of motivation and get a little bit of fed up with my surroundings. Uh, then, yeah, so I, I, I was a little bit, you know, I was a little bit down and uh, lacking motivation. And obviously Smith come, you know, he brought an extra 20, 30% to the second fight and he, he come out a lot better. So me going back 30% and him going forward 30% obviously that was the difference in the fight but it was still still a very close fight um, from my point of view it could have gone either way uh, a, lot, a lot of people ringside told I still won the fight but um, you know it's just one of them things and I'm not I'm concentrating on the future now and I know what's already happened in the past 
Yeah, very well said. Very well said. Um, yeah, it was it was such a shame because that first fight, you was unbelievable. That first fight, like you know, there's no way in the world. Um, I I agree with the the scorecards when they did stop the fight. I mean, that was just unreal. But um, yeah, the less said, the better. Obviously, it was beyond me. It was it was, a, it was an absolute joke. I can't believe it. Yeah, and I remember like you know, I watch I watch boxing every single weekend, and that was. That left such a sour taste in my mouth. I, you know, I, it really, it really peed me off. Like, it was so bad the way it finished. I mean, it took me a while to get over it, and I wasn't even there, you know? But, yeah, I mean, even worse for you. Imagine how I felt. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, not Brutal. concentrating too much on, on the past, obviously. Since that loss um, back in November, you've you've had just the one fight. It was in April against journeyman Daryl Sharp. Now, Daryl had never, ever been stopped in 32 losses, and then he got in with you, and you became the first man and the only man to this point to stop him. A third-round stoppage there. Um, talk us through that fight, if you can, Liam. Not many people managed to do that. Yeah, um... To be honest, it was a last-minute opponent. They had a couple of opponents which, which um, kind of shied away from the fight last minute. And I personally just think that they didn't want the fight. Uh, you know, that's boxing. View these things happen quite regular, and you know, it's, it's sad to say, really, but it, it does, and it's disappointing. But you know, uh, fair play to Dal Sharby. He turned up. He took his licks, and um, you know, he, he didn't just. It's not as if he just jumped on the floor and took his money and run, you know. He um he he came there to put up a fight and he he done that and made me, you know, made me think while while the fight was you know in play. Yeah, that's what he does. He never does come to to lay down at all. So uh, credit to you for being the only man. I think he's I think he's got about thirty seven or thirty eight losses now. But like I say, never ever been stopped aside from that night when he stepped in against you. Um. Like I said, you know, only the one fight since November. Other stuff has gone on, though, outside of the ring. Obviously, you know, you've parted ways with your long-term trainer, Gary Lockett. A very amicable split. I did see a clip of, of something um, Gary said on a radio station about the whole split. And it was so nice what he said. It was almost tear-jerking, actually. Obviously, you've now you've now moved to Sheffield. You're training out of the Ingle Gym now. Um, how did that link-up come about? It was a funny one because... I didn't, I didn't, it weren't a planned thing that I was going to leave Gary, you know. Um, I actually, I boxed out sharp and I was, I was back in the gym for, for a good while. I was, you know, I was, I was training my nuts off. I was, I was waiting for a new date and things were happening. I was just getting fed up and I thought, you know what, like this is, this is the opportunity now for me to move on. I just feel I'm fed up. I, I feel like I could better myself. Um, which which was nothing really against Gary. It was just something I needed to do to to recharge and you know re motivate myself. Um, I've obviously been around the Ingle Gym a couple of times previously, like sparring Kelbrook and Jason Quigley. So I know how they work. Well, I had a good idea of how they work, and I obviously seen that Dom was a very very good trainer, and and he. You know he's he's on top of everything and um, yeah. So for me there was only um, one, two. There, there was three people who uh, who I was interested in going with, and that was obviously Dominic being one, uh, Jamie Moore, and Adam Booth. 
which obviously all very good trainers. Um, they've they've all achieved achieved a lot. Uh, Jamie's obviously achieved a lot in in his small time being a coach. So you know, credit to him. He's he's uh, producing the goods. But for me, it was just I I just I tried all of the trainers and um, I just I clicked with Dom and uh, you know we we were a little bit friendly beforehand. I, I got on with him on a on a personal level, you know, out, outside of training me. Um, and I just thought we'd be a good, we'd be a good uh, team, you know. So I just, I just, I jumped in and um, and I haven't looked back. I'm, I'm super excited for the future and I'm feeling very good and, and I've definitely made the right decision. And all those three trainers that you mentioned, they're all um, at this point in time are having a fantastic 2018 so far, especially Jamie Moore, actually. Um, you know, you said there that, you know, you've got the likes of Jason Quigley, you've got the likes of Kel Brook in that, in that Ingle gym. You've also got the likes of Billy Joe. Have you managed to do rounds with those three um, recently? Yeah, I have, yeah. Um, I haven't sparred with Kel recently, um, but, I've, but I've, been, I've been sparring with... Um, Billy Joe, and I've also been sparring with Jason Grigley. You know, so without, I'm there. I'm definitely not um, by any stretch o- overlooking this fight the week Friday because I'm I'm taking it serious. You know, for me, it's the it's just another step in in, in the path where where I'm heading for these big fights. So I'm I'm not look overlooking this guy. Definitely not. Um, you know, I've, I've been working very hard, but we haven't been pulling in too many sparring partners because um, I've got a good idea who I'm fighting, but it's not actually, um, you know, signed and sealed. Uh, it's not a done deal yet, but I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Uh, and personally, I don't think he's going to cause me any trouble whatsoever because, like I've said it before, and anybody outside of the top five Top three, four in Britain is. I don't believe he's going to cause me any trouble whatsoever. I, I believe I'm at that world world level now, and um, you know I'm, I'm just going to do a number on this guy on a week Friday, and I'm looking to move forward and get a big fight through the titles on the line. And you, you mentioned there the fight a week Friday. That will be the 7th of September. It's back in Cardiff. Um, you mentioned there about an opponent. Nothing's really signed just yet. Um, I'm guessing you know that'll hopefully be done in the in the following few days. Um, can you tell us anything at this stage, or do we have to wait for an announcement? Um, yeah, it'll definitely be announced. Um, well, it'll be it'll be confirmed to me tonight. I'm hoping, but I'm you know I'm I'm pretty confident it should be this. Um, I can you know I can obviously tell you it's um it's some Argentinian fella, half decent record. Um, you know, like a maybe um, seventy percent winning, sixty seventy percent winning record. Um, good couple of knockouts. So, you know, he's 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 no pushover, but he's just going to come and give me a couple of rounds. I hope you know, so I can so I can prove to the people. Um, well, that so I can prove to everyone that you know I've made a good move in in being trained by Dominic England and um, show off some some new things which which I've been learning and you know show everyone is is the correct move that I've made I'm happy doing so 
And I want to ask you also, Liam, obviously you, you were signed to Frank Warren for a while. Are you still with Frank or not? Yeah, I am, yeah. Um, I'm still with Frank. I don't, I don't really know what's going there, on there. Um, I, I'm not looking I'm not looking to part ways with him. Um, but I am out of contract in December. So, um, yeah, f- for me, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of open. And obviously I'd like to keep working with Frank because he's, he's, um, you know, provided me with good opportunities and he's provided me with, uh, you know, good opportunities to make, make plenty of money and, and whatever else. So I got, I got no reason to want to leave Frank. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's I'm going to get this fight out of the way uh, a week Friday and then I'm, I'm sure um, we can sit down and talk with my manager um, who's now MTK obviously and and Frank or whoever's you know I, I just want to be busy and I want to be earning good money I want to be fighting with good titles and I'm just hoping they can offer me out there you know and I want to ask you, um, did you manage to catch your, your former foe, Liam Smith, obviously came up short against Jaime Munguia a few weeks, well, a couple of months back now, I believe it was. Did you happen to see that fight? If so, what did you make of it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I watched it. Um, I thought, do you know what, Liam got, um, he lost, obviously, the majority of the rounds. Up, and he, at, at points, he was he was in a lot of trouble. I feel I feel that he was really under the pressure. This this um Mungia, he's um he's young, he's fresh, um he's obviously got power and he's got a great engine. I, I believe he's a very good champion. He's he's young and he's only gonna get better. But I think that Liam Smith uh he made a good account of himself. Obviously he don't wanna hear that crap, but you know, he wanted to win the fight but one of things and, and he didn't do himself you know any shame whatsoever he, he put up a, a very good display um, and he was very tough on the night and a couple of the listeners slash Twitter um, followers on, on my Twitter on your Twitter or both um, you know we, we put a tweet up and some listeners sent in a couple of questions here we got one from at Ricey underscore SUFC he says Liam since your two losses to Smith you've now got to rebuild to get back up to the level you were at before the Smith fights um, have you got a plan mapped out of how to get back up there for example belts or fighters that you're targeting and I just want to add, add my own little thing to that um, obviously you know you've been a British champion a Commonwealth champion a W UBO European champion. Which belt in a realistic world is the next one that you'll be chasing, Liam? Right. Well, um, obviously, um, fighting on the seventh. Then um, there's, there's a lot of talk going on about um, about fighting uh, JJ Metcalf, which which I'm more than happy to do. And I'm told that this, you know, it's pretty much a done deal. But where and when, I don't know. I just I just hope that they can make that happen. You know, in the near future, so I'm not waiting around too long because I want to be busy now. I want to, I want to start climbing back up. Uh, so it's just one of the things that I think um, it's going to be Metcalf, and he, he currently holds the WBC um, international, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Which give, which I think uh, I'm not sure what ranking it gives me, but give me an half decent ranking with the WBC. Um, that's mad. 
talking to WBC um, Twin Charlo just dropped down on my Instagram. He's doing a live video. Uh, he's he's obviously the, the, the WBC champion. But anyway, yeah, um, you know I want to I want to win that, which which I know 100% I can beat. I can beat Metcalf. So yeah, I don't think I'll have any trouble there as long as I come prepared and don't overlook him and I do everything correct, you know. And this question so, is sorry, go on. No, just just for me, um, it's just about getting a couple of wins now. Um, this this one next week, then Metcalf, and I'm hoping I'll have a decent WBC ranking. I, I'm confident I will. Um, and then obviously I'm happy to go chasing that WBC title. And this question came in from at Gaza Pask 1980. He says. Well, it's, it's quite a compliment as well as a question. He says, you are an incredible talent. Can't wait to see you fight again. Have you got a time scale to get a shot at a title? There's a lot of support out there, and we all know you will be a champ in the near future. Good luck. Yeah, well, that's, that's, um, that's very nice. That's kind words. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't really have a time scale um, or a map towards that other than the one I've just told you. Um, you know, boxing Boxing one and sport where for me I believe you gotta take one fight at a time. Obviously you you plan on winning and you know I'm taking on one fight at a time, but I'm already looking into the, the fight after Metcalf and I'm excited to see what's gonna come, you know. But I can't look past him too far because Metcalf's a quality fighter and he's unbeaten he's unbeaten for a reason. So uh to answer that question, it's difficult, really, but um, but I want to be fighting for a world title within within the next year to eighteen months at at most, you know. Yeah, very um, very thankful of those questions to come in. So thank you for those guys that sent those in. And just coming down to the last couple of questions from from me, Liam, um, I want to ask you a couple of what I'd call quite comical questions. If you're up for that, you up for something like that? I'm always up for that, mate. <laughs> so Liam, if you had to rate from your most favourite to least favourite the four Smith brothers, who's the best? Who's the oh, worst? Fucking <laughs> hell! <laughs> um, do you know what? Right, I'm going to be straight up. Before before my fights with with Liam Smith, I thought he was a total prick, but. <laughs> No, I'm I'm just being straight up, and I'm I'm sure he thought that was a total prick. I, I don't really know, but since then, um, to be totally honest, I've spoke to Liam a few times. Um, you know, I actually spoke to him a few times before his fight with Mungi, and I, I wished him well, and and I genuinely want and on heart, I wanted to, I wanted him to win that fight. Um, he could possibly set up a third fight between us, you know. Um, anyway, I don't like or dislike any of them more than the other you know I um, you know it's a bit of a boring answer from you and from the fans point of view because they wanted me to you know start ripping people but after the fights I'm, I'm like you know what past is past and just to be honest I can only have respect for him Liam Smith beat me he's a good fighter and he's turned out that he's he seems to have a bit of respect for me so only good words really yeah no, I think um, 
a, a lot of people like Stephen Smith. I think a lot of people say good things about him. Callum also, you know, he, he seems to be a nice guy. I think a lot of people are kind of unsure on Paul Smith, and um, you know, especially some of. Yeah, some that, of that's all I think it is. I think, um, from my personal point of view, I think um, Paul and and Liam are a lot more kind of outspoken. Yeah. Um, and especially on social media and stuff, but you know, I just think they're probably the the two um, most most fiery two of the four, you know, and they um, they probably just bite the bite the little things more than the other two. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough. And also, this is the final question. I've got to be the final proper question. <clears throat> if you were gonna send a Christmas card, Liam, right? But you've only got enough ink in your pen to to address it to one person. So there's one card, there's one little bit of ink. It's, it's either going to Liam Smith or Gary Corcoran. Who do we send that Christmas card to? <laughs> oh, definitely Liam Smith. <laughs> still, still, Gary Corcoran's not not in your good books at, at the moment, now. Nah, it's one of them again. Like, do you know what? I know it's unstable because. These fights weren't like I'm talking about as if they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Like it's it's water under the bridge, and I've I've grown up slightly since then. And you know, like I haven't got time for that bullshit to be honest with you. But obviously, me and me and Gary Corcoran had had um, a lot of bad blood in the fight, and um, it's just one of them. Again, we've spoke since the fight, not not like personally in in each other's messages or whatever, but. Just like a little bit of banter over over Twitter and stuff, and um, like it was it was before Christmas last last Christmas, and um, we just both wished each other well and you know happy Christmas, stay safe kind of thing, you know. But um, yeah, obviously I'm I'm going to choose to send it to Smith because I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Gary Cogram wouldn't want to send me a, a birthday card; he'd rather rip it in half before he sends it to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's been on the show a couple of times, Gary. You know, he's, he's, he comes across as as really nice, actually, to me and all that. But um, yeah, I've yeah. never had Liam Smith on, so I can't really comment on that. But finally, yeah, that, um, Gary Cogler would rather wipe his ass than that lovely card <laughs> and send to me. <laughs> finally, finally, Liam, just before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to tell us? Is there anything that I haven't perhaps asked you that you want to get off your chest? Anything at all? Take it away. Nothing really, mate. Just. Um, just thanks, you know, as usual. Thank you for the support. Everything, all the support means means so much to me. And um, you know, it spurs me on to do better having these having all these fans behind me. So um, yeah, thanks again, and hopefully I can put up some good performances for you all. Absolutely. You're very, very welcome, Liam. It's always my pleasure having you on the show. Um, you you know that yourself. Best of luck for the seventh, and we'll certainly catch up sometime after, my friend. Much appreciated. Take care. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. There's honestly um, not much to preview, but just before we get into that, let's go over to Ayaz with the latest news. Ayaz, take it away. The World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight division has been announced once again. So the fighters that will be fighting are Marius Bredis will face Noel Mikhailin. You know Dortikos will face Marius Masternak. Christoph Glowacki will face Maxim Volosov. And the final one will be Ruslan Fayafer v Andrew Tabiti. Yeah, Andrew Tabiti. Um, you know, we said this before it all happened. As soon as it got announced about the cruiserweights 
you know they were they were involved it was going to be the cruiserweights again this season as soon as it happened we said you know what are they going to do all these names there you know does anyone really want to see this guys these guys fight does anyone really have much interest in seeing these guys fight um We've got Dorticos again. We've got Breedis again. You know, they're not bad fighters. There's no mention of Gassiev, Ayaz, was there? No Gassiev. No, unfortunately not. Yeah, so no Gassiev, obviously no Usyk. And at this stage, no clarification on if Usyk's even going to be vacating his belts because his promoter actually put out a message on Twitter um, a couple days ago, I think it was, but certainly this week. And he said, yeah, you know, Usyk's not even thought about or talked about vacating his titles yet. So... You know, there's actually going to be no belts on the line, it would seem. And if they do suddenly become available during this tournament, then perhaps when it gets to maybe the semi-final stage, there'll be a vacant belt or two. But, you know, this is really bad, to be honest. Those guys that you've named there, I mean, obviously you've got Glowacki, good fighter, former WBO world champion, you know, Bradis, Dorticos. But I'm just not excited for it, Ayaz. I don't know if you share that opinion. I mean, there are still some quality fighters in this, but... These fighters are not that well known. Obviously, Andrew Tabiti, you know, an undefeated fighter with a lot of promise. I'd like to see him fight, but um, I'm just overall not that excited for it, Eyes. Do you share that opinion or what? To be honest, I totally agree with you. Um, if I'm going to go honest, if, uh, to be honest, if I'm going to agree with you, I'll agree with you on this. But in my opinion, I'll tell you the favourite that's going to win this tournament is going to be probably Mary Spredes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, he gave Usyk a very hard fight, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Just to confirm, um, Noel Mikolayan takes on Maris Bradis. Dorticos takes on uh, Matthias Mastanek, a former opponent of Tony Bellew. Boy, oh boy. Um, Glowacki takes on Maxim Vlasov. I think that's actually going to be a good fight. That's probably the, the fight I'm looking forward to most. And then a guy who I've never heard of called Ruslan Faifa takes on... Um, Andrew Tabiti, who I do want to see stepped up. So it's a good thing for Tabiti's progression, but just really not excited about it, to be honest. And I don't think that, well, if they even dare are putting any of these fights on ITV pay-per-view, you can forget about anyone buying those. And also, um, the American market, I don't even think they're going to be interested in this one at all. I mean, they weren't interested the first time around with the Cruiserweights, but it is what it is. Um, Moving on, Ayaz, any other news for us? Victor Ortiz will face John Molina Jr. on September the 30th. Yeah, quite a good fight, actually. Um, John Molina Jr., he's given us some cracking, cracking, action-packed fights. Victor Ortiz has given us some cracking, action-packed fights. Um, I'm guessing the fight's probably going to be at welterweight, which I think would probably favour Victor Ortiz at this point. But Ortiz... He's been out of the ring for a while, if I'm not mistaken. And John Molina Jr., I believe the same. It's it's hard to say what fighter has got more left in the tank at this point, because I think they've both had better days. They've both seen better days. Um, The one thing is, both men can punch, so that is one exciting thing. Victor Ortiz has shown time and time again that if the going gets tough, he's pretty happy to just completely quit. And um, John Molina Jr., is the polar opposite of that. He's got a massive heart. We saw that against Matisse. We saw that against Provodnikov. We saw that against Terence Crawford. Nothing's going to stop that guy. So there's no chance of him getting, you know, out-hearted or, or out-fought or, you know, just beating the will out of. It's not going to happen. So interesting to see because Molina can really punch and I don't see that fight going the distance, to be honest. I would probably favour Molina, even though, obviously, he's not as accomplished as Victor Ortiz. Um, interesting fight, though, nonetheless. And finally, Eddie Hearn has just announced a new cautious show on 13th 
of October, where Lewis Richard will face Francesco Petera for the European lightweight title. On the undercard, it will be Glenn Foot v. Robbie Davis Jr., Joshua Buazzi and Dave the White Rhino, Alan. Yeah, um, a decent card. Um, you know, it's brilliant, obviously, for Ritson to now be moving up from British to European, the old-fashioned, traditional route. No need to rush him at all. Good fight for him, very winnable fight for him. Um, you know, Dave Allen on the undercard again. It's good for him to be on TV once again. Obviously, everyone loves Dave Allen. Um, a little bit of beef brewing on social media between him and Shannon Briggs that looks quite exciting, though I don't imagine that that fight had happened because I don't think there's enough money for Shannon Briggs to want to travel for that fight. Um, also, you mentioned there about, you know, Robbie Davies Jr. and Glenfoot. That's a cracking fight. Robbie Davies Jr., a friend of the show. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The only thing is, I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed because Cyclone Promotions have announced a card on the exact same day and they're going to clash. So I'm guessing it's going to be probably shown on Channel 5, I think Cyclone's on, or is it ITV? I think it's Channel 5. So they'll be showing that. And then at the same time, we've got this Eddie Hearn Sky Sports show, and it's actually a really good card on the, um, you know, on the Cyclone show. What's happening at York Hall? We've got the headlining fight: Martin Bacoli, the fighter that Billy Nelson really bigs up, and he's supposed to be an amazing, amazing heavyweight. He's obviously done many, many rounds sparring with Anthony Joshua, and um, you know, his man. Billy Nelson has said many times he'd put him in with any heavyweight in the world, and he's taking on um, Michael Hunter, obviously the you know Michael Hunter Jr. the the, uh, the you know the fighter, obviously that's kind of gone around from cruiserweight to heavyweight. He's gone back and forth a few times, but you know he was a former brilliant amateur, and he fought Usyk for the you know for the world cruiserweight crown before the world boxing super series started and he gave Usyk a real 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 tough fight we've had him on the show a couple of times he's a real nice kid so um and he's also of course the son of the former heavyweight Michael Hunter who um after boxing I don't think made enough money and then he turned to he turned to being a drug dealer and then he was set up in some kind of drug bust by two undercover policemen, and it all went wrong, and um, I don't think he knew that they were undercover policemen, so he was wrestling around with them on the floor, and um, apparently he pulled out his gun, and the undercover policeman had no option but to shoot him dead. So, um, yeah, that is that is his father, but Michael Hunter Jr., a real good fighter, and um, that's a very tough fight, I tell you what, it really is. But if you lose to a man like Bacoli, who is not yet well-known, then it can really do damage, because his only loss has been to Usyk, and aside from that, he's a quality, quality operator. I hope that Bacoli's team don't overlook him, and vice versa, actually, for, for Hunter's team. Um, but that's really it for the for the news, Ayaz, correct? Correct. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Moving over now to the Emperor's Palace in Kempton Park, South Africa. One fight to mention over here, actually. We have Tabiso Machunu. His record, 19-4. and four. He's the man that once upon a time beat Eddie Chambers. He fights for the vacant African Boxing Union cruiserweight title against Thomas Osthausen, who has a record of 27-1 and one with two draws. That's a real good fight, that one at the cruiserweight division there. It really is. Uh, we also have that fight, I believe, on Box Nation this weekend. I think it's at a strange hour, so check Check that one out on the Sky Planner. Moving over now to Switzerland, we have Arnold the Cobra, the former opponent of David Hay. His record, 30 wins, 2 losses. He takes on Gogita Gorgiladze, whose record's 39-26. and 26. That's an 8-rounder there. We really are scraping the barrel here. Moving over now to Thailand, we have a fight over here. Um, 
it's in a stadium, I'm going to really try to say this, it's called the Sing Manasak Mai Tai um, School in, in Patham Fani. Um, we have a man on the bill called Siramong Kong Iafuam, who has a record of 95-4. and four. This is his 100th professional bout. He fights for the vacant Thai light heavyweight title. He takes on a guy called Mohamed Unsu Buga, who has a record of 0-6 and six with one draw. Very much a mismatch, to say the least there. Um, all the very best in his 100th fight. A very, very padded record. One of my most favourite padded records in world boxing. Moving over now to the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California, USA. This one, a Golden Boy promotion show. We have top in the bill, Ryan Garcia, the ladies' favourite, 15-0. He takes on Carlos Morales. Another steady step up for him. His record 17-2 with three draws. That's it for that one. Moving over now to the final bill. It's actually happening next Wednesday, but by the time the show goes out... The fight would have finished, so we've got to preview it here. This one's happening in Russia in a place called the Amphitheater in Grozny. We have Umar Selimov, 21-1. He takes on Denis Libau, whose record's 24-2. It's for the vacant IBF European light heavyweight title and the vacant WBO international light heavyweight title. So two decent belts at stake there. Umar Selimov and Denis Libau. Real good fight, that one, for the Russian fans. But that really wraps up the preview. And like I say, not too much to preview this weekend. I don't really think there's too much on TV. It's very much a boxing fan's chance to just put their feet up this weekend but just before we wrap up the show and conclude part two there's one last thing to do and that of course is to welcome our second and final guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the former wbo super middleweight world title challenger it's of course mr jesse hart jesse welcome back on the show sir Oh, man, it's a pleasure to be back on the show, man. I missed you, UK. <laughs> We've missed you too, Jesse. We truly have. So, obviously, we last spoke just over a year ago. It was during the build-up to your fight against Gilberto Ramirez for the world title. Now, in that fight, in my opinion, you know, you showed a lot of people that you really can mix it with the best. It was an extremely close fight, and, you know, the fact that you got knocked down in the second round, in my opinion, played a part in the outcome. It ended up being a unanimous decision, one fifteen, one twelve, twice, and one fourteen, one thirteen, all in favour of Ramirez. Walk us through that fight, though, if you can, Jesse. A brilliant fight. Well, um, yeah, I, as I recall it, uh, the fight with Ramirez was was my first time fighting for a world title. The magnitude of the fight, I, I have gotten a little starstruck by the by the moment uh, per se. Um, I wasn't I wasn't relaxed. I wasn't easy going. And that played a major part because he had he's been there before and he and he had the experience to know how to handle that. You know, when you're fighting for a, a world title, you gotta look it's for the championship of the whole wide world. You have to be on point and you have to stay relaxed. It just was a this was, you know, my first time, my first crack. Did you prove anything to yourself that night? And I also kind of want to ask you two questions in one. Did you prove anything to yourself that night? And was Ramirez better than you'd previously thought, or was nothing really a surprise? No, not 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 nothing that he done was a surprise. But the experience, you know, the experience I think was a was the due diligence of the fight. I, I think that played a major part in the outcome. He had a lot of experience with different things in there. And uh, 
That's all. I think that's all. That, I mean, I don't think his skill is better than my skill, but his experience. See, my dad always said, you can't pay for experience. You got to go through it. You got to go through something to experience. You can't, you, anybody can tell you this and tell you that and how to do it and how to do this. But if you don't got nothing, unless you got that experience. Yeah, very, very wise words. Um, I want to ask you this. Obviously, you know, you've, you've sparred some top guys. I know that you, you've sometimes struggled to get sparring partners in. But when you have, you've sparred good guys. How does he rank against or amongst the other guys that you sparred? Do you believe he's the number one at that weight? Because I think it's very much up in the air at the moment with the World Boxing Super Series. Everyone's kind of got their own best fighter at 168. Do, do you say he's the best or is somebody better? No, I think Gilberto Ramirez is the best in the weight class, and that's why I want to keep fighting him. I don't want David Benavidez. I don't want Ugin Tacey. I don't want Rocky Fielding. I want um, Gilberto Ramirez because if you cut the head off the number one guy, I mean, you know, I think you become the number one guy. That's what my dad always said. You become the feared, the, 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 the best guy in your weight division. So I want to chop the head off him. I don't want them other guys. And of course, you return to the ring in February of this year against Thomas Awimbono. Um, you know, he's not a fantastic fighter by any means, but he's beaten um, a couple of good guys, you know, but everyone of note has beaten him, but nobody had ever stopped him. You managed to do it in the very first round, so that was very impressive there. Um, a brilliant way to come back. And then, of course, you, you, you know, you fought on the 28th of April in a really strange fight, actually, um, against Damon Nicholson. And while it lasted, it was actually a good fight, but Demond, in my opinion, showed one of the worst quits I've ever seen. Um, what did you make of that fight? It was it was quite a crazy one. Um, when you look at a, a fighter like Demond Nicholson, a young kid like that, you got to look at he hasn't been in there tough, really. He hasn't been in there where he had to get hit, go down, get back up, and grab a hold of his nuts and try to keep fighting through it. He hasn't been through that. So when his first time he been through it, it was a shock to himself. Oh, I've never been there before. I've never been here. And my dad always said this, you don't know how a guy is going to react to certain things until he's in that situation. I don't know. That's like that's like um, as we call it, we call it ratting in America. We call it you're a rat, you're a tell. We don't know whether a guy is going to rat or not until the police and the detectives is in that room with him. We don't know if he's going to do it. You know, he can say he's not. He can say he's going to be a stand-up guy, but we don't know. You know what I mean? We just he quit. He gave in. He submitted. He told it. Let me um let me let me go easy out. Let me tell on myself. I, I'm a coward. I quit. That's 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 what he's done. He can't. He couldn't stand that. He, and you were really angry um, after the fight with him because I don't I don't think you really respected what he did. Um, are those are those feelings kind of settled now? Are you guys cool, or do you still have a bit of an ill, an ill feeling towards him for what he did that night? I mean, he's cool with me now. It's more so than the night, but I was just so mad because that was a fight in my actual hometown of Philadelphia, yeah. and I wanted to give the fans a good showing, a good show. If, even if I was in a knockdown drag out fight, I just wanted to give him a good fight. But for him to quit like that, to find an easy way out like that, that just devalued the fight, I, I believe. 
Well, like I say, in my opinion, I remember watching it live. It, you know, it was a good fight while it lasted, like I say. Um, the referee um, obviously gave him this infamous 20 count, you know, and then he forced him to get up, which Damon didn't want to get up. And then when he did get up, the referee waved it off. It all seemed very unusual. What did you make of the referee's performance? Was it was it quite surprising being in there? Because it was very surprising just watching it live. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Absolutely, but I like to say about referee Sean Clark, as long as I know him, he's a referee of, 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 of good character. He always, you know, them things fair. Sometimes people, uh, uh, you know, forget about certain things. Sometimes people make mistakes. And I can't, you know, harp on that. I'm just glad I got that win. Everybody's saying it should have been a, a, a KO instead of a TKO. I can't harp on that. You know, he made a mistake. Everybody makes them, you know. Let's, let's, just, let's just be glad that I came out with the W. I got the win. And, you know, let's move on. That's just how I feel. Everybody make mistakes. He made a mistake. Yeah, the W is all that counts at the end of the day. Um, you know, in your last fight, it was just the other week, you took on Mike Gavronsky. Um, You've now made it three knockouts in a row since that world title fight last year. Gavronsky um, had a record of 24-2. and two. One loss was by stoppage because he retired on his store after eight rounds, but you decisively stopped him in just three rounds. Walk us through that fight, please, Jesse, for those that haven't seen it. Well, Mike Gavronsky, he was... He was... He was an okay fighter. I looked at the record. He fought some okay guys. He fought one guy that I know by the name of Torino Johnson. I watched that fight, the study, studying for the training camp, and I realized something. If Mike Gravonsky can't get his distance and and he don't know what to do, he becomes flustered and he becomes he deviates from any game plan that he has. He needs room to, to get off. But if you stay close on him and you bang on him and you bang him around and you punch him and you push him and you rough him up, he gets a little, uh, I want to say he gets a little flustered. I'm trying to find a word. He gets a little razzled in there. He, he, when you rattle him, he gets a little, like he deviates from the plan. So my whole thing was use the jab, use the jab come out and assert myself that first round, let him know who's boss. I did just that. If you look at the first round, I landed two solid right hands, you know. Um, as I landed the two right hands, I feel like he wasn't going to punch no more, so then I tried to swarm him. But Mike Ravonsky was supposed to be a really, really good fighter. Damon Nicholson was supposed to be a good fighter, and Thomas Allen Bono was supposed to be tough. So you put all those three together, and you add them up, and I think all of them each had a different styles, but Gavonsky, I think, was the better out of all of them. Yeah, and like I say, three opponents there, three very different styles, but all three fights ending the same. A knockout, a knockout win for yourself, so brilliant stuff there. Um, you know, since this world title fight that we had now, you know, you've proved that you're above the, you know, the types of guys like Gavronsky and the rest of them that you just mentioned there. Do you know when you'll you'll be stepping up in opposition or even challenging again for a title? Is there a plan in place at this stage for you? Well, I feel like right now I'm hot, and I think the champions need me at this point. If you really look at it, my 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 performances have been spectacular. Three knockouts. You gotta really look at. You gotta really understand that concept. 
three straight knockouts. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all these views. You know, I'm, I'm making a, a, a crazy name of my performances. Champions need me. So whichever champion, you know, want to fight, I'm, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more so welcome. I'm more so walking them, walking them, welcoming them all. Um, I want Ramirez. That's the fight I want. But if I can't get that fight, I fight Dave Benavidez. I mean, it, it doesn't matter which champion. It just, you know, I, I thought my ultimate goal is being uh, is becoming world champion. But a vendetta, I have a vendetta against Gilberto Ramirez. And I want to also point this out. Obviously, you know, you've been ranked with a WBO for quite a while. You're now ranked with the IBF quite highly, the new champion, Uzkategi. Um, am I correct in saying that you're both signed to top rank? No, Uzkategi is not signed to top rank. Okay, because he's, well, he's not defending his title, but he's fighting on a card coming up in top on, on one of yeah. top rank's banners, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... Okay. I mean, Ugentoski is not even on my radar. I mean, but we, we work with his promoter. That fight can happen. Yeah, that would be a brilliant fight. But looking at a couple that of other things. So, sorry sorry to cut you off, Jesse. What would you say? I said that fight can happen. I mean, the the powers to be, the promoters, we all get it together. I mean, it, it definitely can happen. Yeah, brilliant fight that'd be. And um, looking at, looking at the the World Boxing Super Series tournament, I know that you um, you you know when we last spoke, I think it was just sort of kicking off. You were very excited about it. It's now just got two men left: um, George Groves and Callum Smith. That fight is set for the twenty eighth of September, randomly in Saudi Arabia. Um, do you have a horse in that race? Who do you believe will come out victorious? Callum Smith, not only because. I, I, I think him Smith because he's a younger, fresher guy. I mean, uh, what's what's the guy that name that he's fighting again? George Groves, the guy that just just Groves, beat Eubank Groves, Jr. Right, right, right. Eubank Jr. busted him up so badly. I mean, that guy been through wars. That guy been through real life wars. Kim Smith is a much fresher fighter, a much fresher body. Uh, uh, Groves been beaten up not only in his last fight, but with Badu Jack or Carl Frotch twice. I mean, he his body physically, like how much punishment? To be brutally honest, how much punishment can he really take? How much the punishment can the human body really take? You know, we, we gotta we gotta start looking at that. He took some he took some real damaging blows. I mean. And, and, and May took some off his career. So when you got a guy like Kim Smith in there, who can punch, who's tall, who's rangy, who's like a jackal. So you, 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 I, I want to say this. You have to be able to go the distance. If it has, if, if the fight, you know, permits itself to go the distance. I don't believe that Rose can go the distance anymore. The physical punishment his body has taken is just it's just bad. It's just bad. We 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 don't I don't I don't I don't I don't I, like I'm saying he has the experience, but can his body what can his body do? 
Yeah, very bold prediction to go to go with Callum Smith, but I'm happy that you've done that because a lot of the American boxers that I speak to, they they haven't really seen much of Callum Smith, so they all kind of favour Groves. But I like I like hearing your predictions because last time when we spoke, I was I was asking you about some of the um, your favourite UK fighters, and you said how good Rocky Fielding is, and at that time. Um, not many people were were quite too sure of how good Rocky Fielding is, but like you mentioned earlier, he's gone on to now become a world champion. It's it's the regular WBA title, but even still, Absolutely. yeah, that was that was a when when you predict when you, well, you didn't really predict, but when you said he's a good fighter, like I say, at that time people were kind of unsure, and he's proved himself now. Um, is that a fight that you'd that you'd fancy, Jesse? Because I know that you've seen a lot of Fielding. Well, with Fielding, I like that. I like the way he fights so much. I would love to fight him just for the world title, but I, I, I like Rocky Fielding. I really like the guy. It's not a fighter I wouldn't fight. I would love to fight Rocky Fielding for the world title for the WWE, but I like to watch Rocky fight. I learned watching him a little bit because he's tall just like I am and he's rangy. And you got to know what type of fighter Rocky is to understand the cuttiness of boxing. He's a tall, rangy guy who 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 likes to throw combinations, but he starts off a little slow to set everything up. If you watch, Caleb Smith beat him because he was he started off slow trying to set everything up. You know what I'm saying? So when you watch Rocky, I can see him thinking in there. I like Rocky. I love to fight him, but just I don't make no mistakes. If that fight presents itself, I would I would love to take that fight. But I like Rocky. <laughs> now I want to ask you this question but I, I kind of think that you've answered it already I was going to ask you who is the man in the in the entire super middleweight division that you know you've got at the top of your wish list so to speak and you've kind of basically told me that is still Gilberto Ramirez um, I'm right in saying that right? No, yeah you're right yeah. Gilberto Ramirez is still and still Jesse, the man. You're, you're still ranked at number one in the WBO if I'm not mistaken right? Yeah. So will will a mandatory get called? Will you will you get a chance to fight him? And if so, do you know when that's likely to be at this stage? No, I don't. I don't. I, I can't. I can't. I, I don't recall. I can't. I can't. I can't tell you that. Okay. All right. Um, one thing that I do want you to tell us, um, Jesse, if you've got anything at all that you want to get off your chest, if there's anything I perhaps haven't asked you just before we let you go, um, is there anything at all that you want to say before we let you go? No, I just want to thank you guys for always a lot of UK. Like I always say, man, you if you don't fight over the UK, and you know the UK has some of the best fighters in the world, and I love the UK, man. I really do. Like I always said before, I always. Fox rules out. I, my my wish fight is Anthony Joshua. I just want to see how how we how we how it is in there with him. I just want to swap punches with him one day. If I can make two something hundred pounds, I would love to swap punches with him. I believe you guys got the best fighters. You know, not only like in the world, but in just in just in the boxing game right now. I love what Anthony Joshua is doing. I love what Rocky Fielding is doing. I love what Caleb Smith is doing. I love what I, I love what the UK is doing, and, and y'all, you guys, are not scared to fight nobody. You guys are not scared to fight nobody. You know, um, I love what Eddie Hearn is doing. You know, with the streaming deal, I love what he, what he when when he signed. I, I mean, uh, the UK 
UK boxing is, is, is picking up so much. It's, it's making a sport better. I, I believe, nice and that's all I'm going to say, man. Very nice words. Thank you. And um, I'm going to throw this question in there just before I let you go, actually, Jesse. It's looking like it's a done deal now. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. Um, no date just yet, but what are your thoughts on this fight? If it does end up happening, who wins? Wow, that's a that's a that's a top man. That's a hell of a fight. And you see what I just said? UK fighters are not scared to fight anybody. I don't know whether it's it's, it's Deontay Wilder because 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 Tyson Fury is very very crafty. Crafty is like a jackal. So you know, I mean, he a con you. He a con you to sleep with his fighting style, but the whole time he's winning, like he did Klitschko. So. We all have to be prepared for that for for the for the, for the fairy, you know, for the raffle fairy. But also, you know, we've seen a guy like Steve Cunningham pit Tyson Fury down with a right hand, and we all know Wilder can really punch if he catches Fury. Will Fury be able to get up, or will he stay down? Nobody knows. So it's a bit of a fifty-fifty fight. It's a fifty-fifty fight. If if, if, if if like I just said, man, with the style that Tyson Fury got, he can lead Lord God to sleep with that style, and he just pop him, and he beats on him, he moves around, and he showboats. But the whole time he's winning the, fight. he's still in the round, he's winning the fight, he's winning the fight by still in the rounds. But he's been downed by a guy who's a real cruiserweight, who hit him with a right hand, him down in New York. I was there, and he got up. But if Wilder hit him with that same right hand, that same power, not because it's not going to be the same power. Wilder hits like a, they say it's like a freakishly, they said it's freakish. They say his power is very freakish. If he gets caught with Wilder right hand, will he be able to get up? Will he be able to stand on his feet? Wilder can hit you anywhere at any given round at any time. It can The fight can be over. The fight can literally be over, and Wilder can knock you out in uh, the last 20 seconds of the fight. So it was a 50-50 fight. I don't care what nobody says. But who are you leaning towards, Jesse, if, if you're going to let me push you for a winner? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, can't, I ain't leaning towards it. I can't, I, can't, I can't call that one. It's a 50-50 fight. <laughs> Okay, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. But listen, Jesse, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. It really, really is. I want to wish you the absolute best of luck for what's next in your career. I truly mean that, and we'll certainly catch up sometime again soon. Thanks, Joy. You too. Okay, and this wraps up episode 150 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Summer has been I as Summer. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, Mr. Liam Williams and Mr. Jesse Hart. Two men very much on the verge of another big shot. Certainly two men with the capabilities of becoming proper, proper world champions. I'd like to just wish everybody a fantastic weekend. I hope that you all enjoy your weekend this week. Please, please, please if you do get a chance remember to leave us a review on itunes thank you all so much for listening and we'll catch you all again next week